Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Hello, good morning. And <laughs> Josh Brown. Good morning. We are returning to video forms of podcasts just for the sake of getting a wider audience on certain topics. Um, and pretty much the whole world's playing Final Fantasy VII at the minute anyway. Um, and so we're just going to break down all sorts of things relating to it. Uh, Josh, I kind of want to start with you just because you've never played it before, uh, the original. Um, and I just want to see where you're at. I know Benji has, me and Benji have both played it back when it first came out. And we have all sorts of thoughts spanning multiple decades. But uh, JP, how you come down it so far? Yes, well, I should clarify that I'm, I'm about um, 17 hours in and I am about Ooh. 12 or 11 chapters in as well. So I, ha- I haven't seen it all, but I am enjoying it. I'm really loving it actually so far. I got to a moment um, yesterday uh, during Wall Market where mm-hmm. I just I, I, I just thought this is this is amazing. This is incredible. This is unbelievable scenes. I can finally <laughs> um, understand what people have loved for so long. But it is interesting playing it without any kind of real frame of reference because not only have I not played the original, um, I know a lot of the story beats. I know kind of, I think, what's coming, but I'm also, you, you know, no kind idea. of, I know, no, even, even fans don't really understand the story. So <laughs> No, I just, I just mean the things that they've done in yeah. this right. game. Like even, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Without that sort of point of reference, though, it's been it's been an interesting experience trying to kind of judge it on its own merits, but also kind of trying to figure out what what is there because it was there in the original, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. there is a sewer level in it later on, which has kind of frustrated me. And I, I have to assume that was in, in, the, in the original, because I can't hey, imagine um, in it, 2020 it was in it, there. It was in it once. <laughs> That's the thing that, yeah. One of the things, Nelly, all that, every time someone's complained about something in the remake, I've gone, well, that was barely in the original. That was like three seconds of the original, and they've made it a whole padded out section. Um, and things like that are so endemic of... Like yeah, how much they they drag it out to to make it to make an opening section of an old game fit for thirty hours of a new one. I think for the most part it's still satisfying enough. But like, if you're noticing it too, that was one of my biggest curious like curiosos review, reviewing it was would newcomers notice this stuff too? Yeah, some definitely. Of that, some of that stuff you definitely would notice anywhere because it's just it, it's very blatant padding. Like mm. the fact that you return to the sewers for an entire. Like a second dungeon that's basically identical, save for some blockages here and then, and, and, a, and a, a retread of an old boss. It, it, it feels very obviously like it's designed to elongate uh, the story just that little bit extra. Because, mm-hmm. like, Josh, was what was the thing you were going to say? You were going to go into something in regards to, I think, was it the sewer level stuff? 
Um, oh, I, I don't know. The point has already gone. The big question is, though, I was <laughs> going to ask you guys, because when it first started, I, I love it now, but it took me about six or seven hours to properly get it because we talked, um, you know, we were messaging about the first bombing run, Scott, because obviously I haven't played that in the original. So when that was happening in the game, I was just sort of, I was a bit overwhelmed. I was trying to get used mm. to the systems. I was trying to get used to the characters and the setting. And I just thought it was, a, it was a lot at once for a new player to kind of grasp. And it took me a lot of kind of sifting through these iconic moments and trying to get the appeal because I think at least early on from what it's from what it seems is like sort of an outsider it feels as though they're kind of relying on that you know initial we're back where this is it this is your childhood experience upraised and looking mm. gorgeous rather than you know this is an awesome experience in its own right maybe maybe I was just a bit you know maybe maybe I was too fresh for it though that could be a problem I'm well. curious what um, Benji did you find the same thing because for me I think it opens and ends incredibly strongly and for me it hangs in the middle but that seems to be the opposite for Josh I think the opening's fine, but I think also it, it, it's a weird one because it's trying to uh, teach you how to do an old thing in a new way. So even mm. for fans of the original, there is new information to take in when you're trying to enjoy the nostalgia. Hit, whereas if you're in Josh's position, you're just trying to get used to the like get to grips with the game itself without necessarily noticing any of that stuff. But I think yeah, the opening I, I thought was actually very strong. I, I quite enjoyed mm. it, but then it did start to drop off for me. Because they do, like, they obviously bombard you. I mean, the thing is, like, it's not that different to the original one in terms of the pacing and just being dropped into it and your cloud and you're this returning mercenary and you've been hired by Avalanche, this, you know, eco-terrorist group and we're blowing up the reactor and just get get used to it. Um, so I love that they just hit the ground running. I mean, it was it was as overwhelming or intense in the original one, I would say, and I still think that that stuff pretty much lands. Um, but I think it's maybe think supposed I'd, to be quite... I'd probably say the original doesn't throw as, much new, as many new gameplay ideas at you all mm. at once battles don't change from the first one until the boss you don't sort of get new characters to control and new new things to consider you just it doesn't tell you anything to be perfectly honest there's no tutorial. yeah i guess it depends like what the specific thing was that was like throwing you off maybe the gameplay was like pretty frenetic and stuff we should talk about the scorpion boss as well because um i think both of you guys found him to be a bit of a slug yes yeah. absolutely sorry benji i uh, interrupted you there no that's okay i mean my expectations of the scorpion boss were it's uh, it's an introductory boss. There's very little tactic involved. Uh, it used to be quite a quick boss. I wasn't mm. expecting it to be this multi-part epic where I'd be fighting for my life and using lots of potions and phoenix downs because I was still coming to grips with the battle system as well, which is obviously mm. totally overhauled. So yeah, it did catch me by surprise and I came away from it thinking I didn't really enjoy it. It felt like it was too much effort for this point in the game. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes on for ages as well. It's like a four-stage thing. Um, and I, I think that's kind of endemic for me of like how much they reapproach it as this. For me, the remake is so much a celebration of the original. And I think that's one of the first times that you see them as almost as if they're sitting in a designer's meeting going like, well, everyone's going to know what the Red Scorpion is. Let's do a big deal. Let's make him a huge thing. Um, and it's like, yeah, kind of, but like it didn't need to be this, you know, it's not Sephiroth. Like, it doesn't need to be this massive thing. I think like on the top of my head, the Red Scorpion is one of the most belabored fights in the whole game. I enjoy it but it, it goes on for a while um, as a new player like sorry uh, just as, 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 as a new player that was that was so so frustrating because like benji mm-hmm. said it's you're getting to grips with this new battle system and i found myself having to you know use phoenix downs and had i not been in this job and talked to final fantasy fans i would have had no idea what phoenix down was or how to use it you know what i mean so i was yeah. getting into issues like that where i think there was an assumption on the game's part that i knew what things were or how to use certain things in the combat. And that was kind of an issue. It's not like I need to be like handholded, just my expectations were slightly off when you first started. Do you, yeah. do you find yeah. that the difficulty curve is a little bit all over the place? 
Like I've heard yeah. it's perfectly possible that regular enemies can wipe the floor with you if you're not paying attention, whereas other ones you'll just mash X and it's enough to get by. And then suddenly that, a boss will be much cool. easier and another boss will be a bigger spike. That was part of the issue for me because when you when you first jump into it, at least in my opinion, on the on the first level, when you're mashing those first enemies, you're just encouraged to kind of like you know press square, use your ability, you just take them out, just blunt force it. Whereas when you get to that scorpion boss, it's like no, no, you've got to play it tactically, and I quite yeah. like that. I just don't think it's conveyed very well. It's never conveyed that you need to consider your position so carefully either. I think up to that point, especially oh, see, this is this is one of the core things that me and Benji have disagreed on since the beginning. Is that I think the combat is the best thing in it by far. Like I think it's the best thing they've done because um, it certainly isn't the new I mean I like the new story changes but whatever it's not necessarily them um, but yeah I love all that stuff in regards to you know the positioning elements and tactically taking your time and jumping between characters queuing up specials and abilities and stuff but I, I don't know I don't know how much of that is me just bringing across like general sort of learning uh, assumptions from other action games I, I don't know like because I just kind of I love all that stuff but it doesn't lay out you should split your characters up you should position yourself I think, I think the problem for someone like me is that you're going in with a certain degree of assumptions that it's it's supposed to be something commensurate with a JRPG battle system so mm. it's not necessarily obvious that positional awareness and actual spatial awareness and responsiveness is key to the battles especially mm. if you play Final Fantasy 15 or Final Fantasy 12 where you've got an AI that can deal with uh, your rest of your party's actions and you can mm. basically just focus on doing damage and you know like where your position doesn't necessarily have any impact on how you take damage mm -hmm. whereas it obviously does in this and that's not always clear because I don't think the enemies always telegraph moves particularly well uh, you can take a constant stream of damage without necessarily being an animation um, to go along with it I think, mm -hmm. I think some of the basic the, um, like the default settings for camera and things like that are quite poor as well I will say that I, it was only mm. after I found I, I could get more control in battle more like a better view of it to be honest I found it quite hard to keep track of everything See, so yeah, yeah well, again, we, we disagree on that stuff because I, 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 I haven't had any problems with the with that stuff. But I, I totally get, I mean, looking online, there's many people who have said, look, it's just overwhelming. It's so I over the top. I understand that you were possibly better at this sort of game and you can get to grips with it more easily, which is fair. Mm. It's not necessarily my style again, but mm. I don't understand why you haven't had issues with the camera when you change to your character and it'll just point at the face. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> what? I haven't had that at all. Have you had that, Josh? I haven't had that, to be fair. I, I must admit. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Benji, you should, you should do some test cases. It's the strangest thing. Every time I switch to a character, the, the camera will swing around and look at the face and it'll say, like, I'm ready. And I'm like, well, I'm not because what? I can't see my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> you do get the whole thing because, like, that's another part of the combat is that they've tried to hybridize turn-based stuff of the old school with the live action, uh, you know, like platinum game style action of, like, the modern age, um, which I adore. But it does mean that you do have to hop between characters a lot and you do have to sort of try well, you, and play all three at the same time. You taught this to me because I think for a, a long period in, early on in the game, maybe the first five hours, I was sticking with one character because I, I didn't like oh. having to swap between them. And uh -huh. you are right, it made a huge difference once I started to, as you say, play it properly. But I don't think it's on the onus of a player to learn how to play it properly. The game should be a little clearer. Oh, they tutorialize that up front. True. They, get, they tell you to switch people. Is it is it automatic to assume that your party members will just stand there and do absolutely bot all unless you jump? <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll do everything other than trigger their abilities or spells. But we don't really build up ATB, so sometimes you can be caught when you, when you're in a pinch and you desperately need to heal, but you can't with like you have to go on the offensive to heal, which I always find is a bit of a like it's counterintuitive. Mm, but obviously, I, a, lot, a lot of that's been fixed by cycling between them constantly mm -hmm. and keeping a constant stream of ATB. But I still find like. I don't know. Sometimes you can get caught in a, in a like a, a cyclone of despair or a second. <laughs> we should, um, Josh. You should you should come in. How, how have you found adjusting to the combat? 
I do agree with Benji. Well, I agree with you both because now that I've gotten used to it, I do love it in getting through a boss by using all the different abilities, exploiting weaknesses, swapping between characters is awesome. But there was genuinely six or seven hours where I was just hitting a brick wall, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. And it sounds like, you know, I'm ragging on it, but like six or seven hours is a long time to be negative about a game before you get to love oh, yeah. it. And my issue is, yeah, with what Benji was saying, that it's hard to know how you should be playing it, I think. Even though they do tutorialize everything, they don't sort of, you know, explain the significance of doing it. They're like, well, you can swap characters. But before then, I've just been sort of encouraged to button mash as Cloud, and that's got me through, you know, um, battles and stuff. And I oh, think... God. Okay. For me, it was it was difficult understanding how much of the uh, you know the the battle system I needed to use, how much I needed to stop and choose specific you know abilities or spells or whatever, compared to positioning and using you know my regular attacks and being in the moment like that sort of semi turn based thing mm. with the ATB compared with the you know in the moment frantic action. Getting to grips with that was overwhelming uh, at least at first, but once it all clicks into gear, it is good. It just I feel like they could have done a bit of a better job getting you to that position where you felt confident and you felt like you sort of knew what you were doing. It's a weird complaint because normally I'm okay with action games taking their time to ramp up and for you to learn it because that's part mm -hmm. of the fun. But this 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 felt from the first level a bit all over the place, like the difficulty spiking, like the difficulty spiking was already happening, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I'll totally say that I think the, the Red Scorpion fight goes on for too long, but in terms of like that idea of like, yeah, they could have like gave you melee attacks at the beginning and then said, hey, by the way, when Jesse gives you the first piece of material, that could have been the first time you do a material attack and like fold that into the combat. And then, oh, by the way, you've got your abilities and your limit breaks and you, like, you know, you juggle this stuff together. I just, I don't know, I appreciate a game that has everything on offer and it lets me like dive in fully and I'm like, okay, I can combine this with this and the game will keep up with me. I can then switch over here and do this. Like, I found that the more you just go with it, like, and just go, like, just like flesh yourself out and flex with it. I don't know. I, I love that it just, it doesn't hold your hand at all. And like, like I think like it upfront tutorializes the, the Switch character stuff to the point it, where I just went with it. It doesn't, it doesn't hold your hand, but it, it does punish your player for not approaching battles in the exact way that they want you to, particularly bosses, which I don't necessarily mind. I don't mind there being tactics and certain mm -hmm. like strategies for bosses, but if, if you deviate, if you come into a boss unprepared in some way, like you don't have correct material, it can become very, mm -hmm. very difficult and very attritional. I mean, I, I would totally say that applies to the hard mode where like you can't even use items on hard. So you need to have like spec materia to recover MP and HP. But what what um, what was your example there? Like what was the thing that made you think that? The Hell House, which is a boss that a lot mm. of people will be having issues with. Now I came in, you only have two characters at the point. I don't want to spoil it too much, but I didn't, yeah. because, because all the battles up to that point have been quite easy. I didn't have a full range of elemental materia equipped which was absolutely right, right. necessary to exploit that enemy's weaknesses. And it just went on and on and on. It's long. I wouldn't say that you you can get through it, but it does elongate it. It's well, like it's more like a benefit. It, but it, it was, like I say, it was totally attritional. Where it was, I was coming in, doing a little bit of damage, stepping back, healing with prey or whatever, mm. and coming back in. And it must have took about 30 minutes in the knowledge right. that if I, if I make a mistake, I'll have to do it all over again as well. Mm -hmm. so Which, like, I, it's it's strange because sometimes they pull from that, because that, that is like a Final Fantasy trope almost. Like, you have bosses that have, like, 12 million HP and they're going to do Fantasy. these crazy attacks. It's, 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 it's not really fair necessarily to level this criticism at, at, at the remake because I think it always was the case in Final Fantasy that hindsight was your best ally yeah. in tough bosses. 
Well, yeah, and I, like my thing, because now that I'm going back through it on hard, trying to get the platinum and killing myself, that every single boss um, has a very specific, you know, you respec in materia every other boss. Um, and, you know, and it's like, oh man, I died to a one shot uh, Thundaga spell. Okay, I need to make sure I have a, a mana ward barrier um, on my whole team. So I'm going to combine barrier with uh, magnify so I can, you know, and have a first well, strike materia. Like, there's all that. When those things existed in Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VI, whatever, you'd look mm -hmm. at them and say, well, it's it's uh, it's an artifact of an, an old method of game design where the player would be punished mm. for not being psychic. Is it still <laughs> acceptable now? I think the, the, for me, it's like it would be like a, a, an all-out negative if there was no way for you to get through those fights. And I think that I, I, the Hellhouse fight did go on for a while. The Red Scorpion fight went on for a while, but I didn't feel like it was I was being punished for doing something wrong. I was just like, oh, I could have done this better, but I'm still getting through it. But I don't know if that's the same, Josh, if oh, you like, agree or not. Oh, you know, it's interesting this because the Hellhouse fight, for me, that's one of my favorite fights so far. I love that thing. Well, and I, yeah. And that, yeah. Was, yeah, that, that came when I, I knew what I was doing. You know what I mean? I, I, I felt like I had full range over these options and knew how to exploit weaknesses and knew the best tactics in these fights. In mm -hmm. that entire run of like the Coliseum, I, I loved it. That's that's part of the stint where I just thought, you know what, this this is great. It's all finally clicking and I'm having a good time. And the Hellhouse boss for me was kind of a way for me to flex off those skills that I'd learned that I wish I'd <laughs> learned before the Red Scorpion fight. So I, mm. I actually love that, but I can see we, why, uh, if you're not in that mindset, it might be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, we can get back to um, this too, but like in terms of overall story layout, I know you guys both haven't finished and we're not going to do uh, spoilers, but um, me and Benji both f uh, found the opening to be like stronger and then it's sort of like, it's it's got like a lag in the middle, mainly because we're comparing it to the original, I think. Um, but Josh, you, um, you, were, you were massive on it at the beginning, but it's this middle bit where you get to sort of relax and actually take things in that that's when it started to click for you yeah i've been enjoying the relaxing and just sort of exploring and talking the best like i loved going to um you know the the suburbs quite early on that's <laughs> when i thought it might have something special that i really love because i like that and characters should have parents in this game you never see <laughs> video game protagonists with mums like and dads and relatives it's it's odd but it's good it adds mm -hmm. a bit of a more emotional depth but yeah when i got to wall market and when i was um you know cloud getting to know Aerith, walking through the big junk i think it's um sector six like mm -hmm. those quiet moments i absolutely properly adored like when the music's firing off when you've got these mm. characters you know interacting when you've got these lovely realized um, over the top facial you know expressions popping off and stuff I, I i properly properly adored that stuff now i haven't felt the need to you know get to the next story because i feel like it's quite nicely woven in yeah there are elongated levels which are a problem you know the fact mm. that you have to get three keys or you have to you know get the sewers up that is an issue <laughs> Yeah. But for me, the, the story payoff to all of this is worth it. And not, not knowing where it's going to go, apart from what I assume are a few key elements that have to happen. It's been nice to have this like mystery unfold. I love the flashbacks between mm. um, you know, Cloud and Sephiroth and you know, his weird head thing that's going on. I like the backstory <laughs> to all these characters. The only one I don't really love so far is Barrett, but I suppose I've spent the least amount of time he's with got, him. He's got a massive thing coming that you don't find out until after Midgar, and they don't even like hint at it here, um, but he has a huge thing coming in regards to him and Marlene and all that stuff. He is just a walking cliche. He's a walk I think they do, I don't know, I think they do they're enough with him so he's not one-dimensional. Well, I don't know. Not enough for me. See, Josh, mm. coming into this blind, you have a totally different experience where you don't recognize when things are being stretched out artificially. Instead yeah, of yeah. you sat there knowing what the story beat is and knowing this part is there just to just impede my progress. Um, <laughs> you know, and you talk about quiet moments as well. I think one of the things the game doesn't do well is subtlety. 
Like nearly everything is said, nothing is left unsaid. In oh, so that's for all JRPGs. It, it is, it is. Yeah. And it would be nice if it wasn't the case in this one as well, but... Yeah, it's, 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 it's funny when it comes to that stuff because at first, like, the incongruity between these characters and the setting was, was kind of an issue, you know what I mean? Like, like mm. Scott said, a lot of these um, RPGs, and I guess Final Fantasy at large, sort of has those things that you just go with, kind of like Metal Gear has those things that you just go yeah, with. I mean, that, uh, that was actually purposeful, I think, Yosunari... Uh, Katasa. Katasi, sorry, yeah, thank you. He, um, he, he wanted Cloud to stand out in that environment to, to draw attention to him. So I'm glad that's retained. It's actually that's not a problem for me. It's it's more mm. just sometimes I don't react to the world in 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 a, in a real way. And if you really stop and take mm. in the details, it doesn't ring true either. Particularly. I think hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
I was going to say, with the, the amount that they fall back on, like, that corridor design that came in with 13, like, it can make some of the, like, living spaces feel like play sets, feel like pantomime, and just kind of feel like everyone's going... Because, like, Benji, you found out immediately, and you can just, you can do this. If you run around in front of an NPC, they'll just repeat the dialogue over and over again. It's, like, it's designed for that first run-through. Well, if, if, you if you are running past things, and only viewing things on a surface level, then it's got a lot of atmosphere, and it's got a lot of depth. But if mm. you start to look at the details, which is what fans are probably going to do, and it's what I did, you notice how artificial it is. So th these are supposed to be the slums. These are where the downtrodden and the oppressed live. But actually, it doesn't seem like that bad a life besides it's slightly muddy. Um, everybody wear is like dressed in middle-class clothes. We all the same, see the same four people over and over again. Nobody mm -hmm. seems particularly like down in the look or particularly in, in, in a bad place of mind. They just happen to live underneath this place. Yeah, I don't know how much that's them splitting the difference between like they want to flush stuff out and they want to make sure that you you know you can explore this space. And I love the first time you actually see Midgar from the slums up, but you see the middle middle uh, chamber and all the actual actual pizza above you and stuff, which you never saw in the original one from that space. Thing as well, just 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 while I remember, do you think mm. that a lot of the game has been transposed to daytime? even though the whole point of the oppression is that we're in perpetual darkness originally. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's something that like, I think they went with because it just looks so gorgeous and they kind of just wanted to have those sunsets and stuff like that. They still pay that off, I would say, when you get to the um, a bit later on where you get a different perspective, let's say. Um, but um, yeah, I think that they, I don't know, I guess, yeah, like I said, I think they're trying to split the difference. I'm, I'm, not say, really, I'm not really getting this sense of oppression at all. Yeah, the music's called The Oppressed. In, I know it is. <laughs> like the yeah, they could do that thing Really, in like people, okay, so what it extends to is people live in uh, huts made out of corrugated steel. But other mm. than that, they all seem fairly content with the life. It doesn't seem that bad. I think, well, I don't know, they, they kind of front load the environmentalist message a lot more early, like earlier on in this one, like Barrett talking to the Shinra executive and how, like, you know, where, like, where are the bad guys or where are going to be the good guys and <laughs> that whole back and forward. <laughs> a good uh, demonstration of a complete lack of subtlety in the writing. Where mm. all his employees start clapping him on the train, have well, terrorists just shouted him down. Like <laughs> seconds after a terrorist attack, he decides now is the time to shout in defense of him on a train. There's a bit um, where one character um, is spared and then says, what do you mean? I'm the enemy. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. But, um, yeah, they're not then. I, I don't know. That's like an anime sensibility, like a new age anime advent children-ish sensibility that I feel you just have to kind of go with because it just isn't. If you start noticing that stuff or being annoyed by it, it just drops I don't think I don't you got that in, like, Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy IX, which is really no. much subtler. And I think a lot of it has to do with the voice acting. Mm. It, it makes it, like a lot more present, but mm -hmm. it also just like filling in the gaps of silence. So when you've got voice acting, it, for some reason, writers don't like the things to go unsaid or mm -hmm. the player to work something out. So they just have to put in a stupid line like, oh, we're here, or oh, we've done that now. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's some of that stuff. Like I said, it's more like a new age thing. It's almost Kingdom Heartsy, but there's like there's always little grunts and noises and stuff to acknowledge the end of a sentence, which I know is more <laughs> like an Eastern thing in like anime and um in like Eastern sort of cartoons and stuff. Anyway, but um yeah, that stuff sort of I don't know that like, that stuff does kind of stick out in terms of like I said before. I think they're trying to split the difference between we want to flesh out these this area, but also they're aware that those areas only take up like half an hour, twenty minutes of the original, and they're really dragging them out. Um, have you guys found the, the side quest design have you been spending more, more time uh, in the hub world do you know what it sounds like I'm re i really hate this game and I, I don't want it to sound like that because i have enjoyed the game but i'm just i'm, I'm holding it to a very very high degree of scrutiny which mm. is what a six-year development cycle that's been built as a final fantasy 7 remake uh, it demands especially as a huge fan of the original mm. uh, 
I have to be negative again on the side quests because they're just so banal. They're so inane. I think the structure is bad, but I think the rewards are good. Um, yeah, but I mean, you do have to have thought, but like the, the overall reward for completing them all, or do you mean the individual rewards, like the items? Both. Um, there's there are multiple uh, trophies, secret cutscenes, secret dialogue scenes that do are actually, tied to side quests. Do you enjoy doing them, or do you just feel like you're going through the motions of going to this place in the map, killing the enemy, coming back? Like I, I, I got to the point where I wasn't really paying any attention to the story itself. Of these little side quests, no. I know. I'm, 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 I'm. I was waiting for you guys to finish talking because I, I, again, I, it's. I don't know how it was in the original, but they using there. those side missions as a way to kind of slow the pace down has been re- quite rewarding. I agree with Ben in in that the side missions themselves and what you're actually doing is really repetitive and kind of dull. Mm-hmm. But the ability to you know interact with more people in these hopes has been really um satisfying like i really enjoyed the is it the what is the angel of the something in, angel yeah. of the slums. yes angel of the slums yeah. i love Random that house. little um uh, that little story i love mm. messing around wall market with johnny i thought that was a lot of fun and yeah what you're doing isn't that substantial but i think they do serve to kind of flesh out the world a little bit more at least from my perspective and i've enjoyed you know taking a break from the big boss fights to spend an hour or two doing them it's a totally different philosophy to the side quests of the original and of the, like the old Final Fantasy games, to be honest, where those were something that you discover on your own that were possibly environments that weren't noted or that you weren't directed to, secret bosses, little uh, items that you'd find through puzzles and things like that, things that you worked out yourself for having it being front-loaded on a list where you mm-hmm. basically just check it off, which is, again, it's a, it's a modern sensibility, but it's not mm-hmm. one that I like. I do think that, like, yeah, like the actual quest goals where it's like, go kill five of these, go retrieve this item, like that, that's lame on it, you know, on its face. Um, but having now done all of them for the sake of the platinum, even though I did the vast, I only left like two or something the first time through, um, the rewards overall, I do think are worth it. Um, like I said, what you like, I just bring you back and compare you with Final Fantasy VII, the original. Mm-hmm. One of the side quests in that game is unlocking Yuffie as a character. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that you could miss for a little bit. I'd say like, it's more just like a secret. Well, exactly, but a lot of the side quests are secrets of there that you are, you're probably not going to discover them unless you've got a guide, which I didn't mm-hmm. mind. Things, just things like getting knights of the round, for example, like the, the ultimate side quests in that game, or going mm-hmm. to the uh, the hidden forest, or going to the wreckage under the sea, all optional and all stuff that you, you're not told to do, and rewards are much greater because you get like unique say- environments and unique bosses and um sevens remake still has them just not um they're not you're not really going to find them unless you really go looking uh, is there anything that is there anything that you should do in this game that it doesn't tell you to do because i haven't found anything so far uh well (laughs) how do you mean on a menu that isn't like that isn't isn't presented to me as here's an activity that we think you should do Oh, I guess if you, if you took menus out of it, then no. But like the the amount of thing, things that you'll well, I don't know because there's there's lots of little things that you discover. Like in terms of it is all menu based, but there are things like when you go back through it on hard, like the different VR challenges are great. The fact that the the way that you trigger like something like the different dresses in Chapter Nine, um, or the different bosses that you can unlock different cuts. The dresses is a good example because. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about the VR stuff, it does feel like I'm just working down a shopping list. Yeah, but there's there's like there's so much like you know how in the original game there was this background system of, of point checking in terms of which characters you were talking to and that, that then became which cutscene you got at the golden saucer. There's all that stuff is still in here. It's just that it's not front loaded whatsoever, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, we were talking yesterday, Scott, when I got to the dress part, and you were like, oh, which dress did he get? And I was like, there's a choice? What? Yeah. Sorry? I think I must have missed all of this system. But there's like there's uh, like, I enjoyed yeah. that so much. 
Yeah, sorry. There's like character. There's like was one really good, really, really great scene that um, is contingent on how your dialogue choices have gone to that point, and they don't tell you until then. It's not Telltale style of like this character will remember this or whatever, and it's not even contingent necessarily on conversations you've had with that character. It's just that when you get to a point in the story, you are then served up a particular character yeah, based on how it went. That's really great. I really like Josh. I really enjoyed that whole sequence. I just wish more of it was a little more organic in that way. Mm. I wonder if they've like, if they over the years have realized that that approach just like, you know, people aren't going to see the majority of the game in that case. That's it. I think, I think it's a developer's fear of people missing content and missing the mm. hard work, which I, I, mm. I completely understand, but I think it takes away some of the mystery and the appeal and like just the, the enigmatic mm. nature of the game, which would, used to be so magical. I think, yeah, I would, I would agree with that overall, but some things like uh, Chadley's late game rewards, um, some of the harder VR challenges, some of the things that you go up against and some of the, like I said, some of the dialogue, like if you do all the side missions in chapter three, that extra Tifa scene you get is like fundamental to that, to the game. Um, and I quite like that they found a way to reward you overall with, with actually being a hardcore fan of Relic. If you really do a hundred percent in the game, you get an experience that is closer to the original. Uh, which you could argue they should have done that in the first place. But I think that I like the way that they've made something for newcomers. Like Josh is finding it quite positively. And then if you, you know, you take the time to flesh everything else out, it is rewarding on that whole other level. Yeah, there was even another system. And I, I keep banging on about wall market, but I'm, I'm <laughs> that section. But there's a moment where you have to um, search for sick patients and give them some um, uh, medicine or whatever. And I only found out afterwards that, you know, that, that mission becomes even larger. You, there's, there's more people to find if you use the right material slots and you've been upgrading it and stuff. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a cool way to sort of mix in what you've been doing in the gameplay with the actual, you know, quest themselves and the storytelling rather than just having someone give you an amount of enemies you need to go kill. That, mm-hmm. that was that was good because in most JRPGs in Final Fantasy is a particular offender is that the battle system has no relation to anything that's happening outside of it. Mm. Yeah. And I think obviously in here the two things are married very closely, particularly obviously with the, the changes to the battle system to begin with. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I actually agree that was a great section. What did mm-hmm. you, Josh, what did you think of the, um, the big set piece in War Market? I'm sure you know which one I mean. Yes, I really enjoyed it. I, I really like one of the highlights of the game. I we, yeah, I was yes. gonna say, we haven't got to be completely spoiler free. I mean, everyone knows yeah. that there's a big dance sequence in Walmart. Right. That was I mean, that was the moment where it, <laughs> sorry, that was the moment for me where it, the game was great and then I realized I loved it. I was I had, a, <laughs> I had this stupid gigantic grin on my face and it was horrible i was playing with my girlfriend at the time and i was trying to get cloud to dance the best he could and he did and it looked spectacular and it was so silly it was so dumb and i just thought it was it was amazing that there was that moment in this game that Mm -hmm. i was i was worried for the first few hours of final fantasy 7 that it was just going to be these big corridor crawls of you know Mm -hmm. boss fights and combat and getting keys and i was like that might be fine but it's not for me and when you get to moments like the big dance and those little kind of strange set pieces that you know, it really, really does indulge it. It's not sort of ashamed of it. It's not trying it's to push just, it into the carpet. It's just right there. It's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that really separated Final Fantasy VII at the time. The, uh, the whole wall market sequence was effectively an outdoor dungeon without any battles. You know, it's mm-hmm. like Disco Elysium 20, 22 years in advance, or 23 mm-hmm. years in advance. I'm really glad they've managed to translate that forwards. You do still yeah. have to do, they have put some combat in it, but you still have to go up Coliseum. <laughs> so they have made it more about hitting things at swords <laughs> there's so much um little things like that where like me and benji will all know that they're bringing elements from beyond midgar into wall market because that yeah. arena is not in the original one but there is a combat arena in the golden saucer um and yeah, so i wonder like do you think they've maybe 
used things a little bit too liberally in this part when they're going to have to revisit some of the same things in the second You part. guys, um, we need, we'll do another pod on um, how you feel about that sentiment once you've seen the whole thing play out, let's say. Um, okay. Because, yeah, you guys need to see where it goes, especially you, Benji. Um, yeah. <laughs> Josh, I'm curious what the hell you even make of what they've done. And then um, <laughs> and then Benji, I you might snap the disc, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I have, I'm completely at peace with all changes made to the storyline. I don't mind. I don't mind that it's complete reimagining. I've got no issues. I, I'm only judging it on its own merits. And the okay. thing I enjoy in their own right. I do yeah. wonder yeah. if if you replaced all the characters in this game and all the settings with something completely new, if it would be receiving quite as much praise. I do wonder about that. I think I, I still think it's the best modern combat system in any Final Fantasy. Like it's, I just think that's uh, just phenomenal. Well, yeah, but that's a low bar. It's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, but they, I mean, yeah, they're sort of known for like you know pioneering turn-based combat in the West, and obviously they've tried different sort of live-action approaches to stuff. And Kingdom Hearts Three is this overblown sort of. I you know, it's the most I've enjoyed playing a Final Fantasy game uh, in, in its combat since Ten. Right. Yeah. I do, feel like, I do feel like, although I, I find it difficult and I find I can never dodge at any right moment or block at any right moment, mm-hmm. and the camera, as I say, is pointing at the shoe, I, uh, <laughs> I, do, I do find I have far more control over three characters at once than I ever did in Final Fantasy XII, and particularly fifteen, where it's just an absolute, it was just chaos for me mm-hmm. back then. I do find, like like I said, the, the biggest strength that this thing has is the more you challenge yourself to like explore that, like hopping between everybody, queuing everything up, just, I don't know, on like a sheer synaptic level, like the amount you can do in this game at once and the frame rate will keep up and it'll be able to do everything. That's the stuff that clicks in a way that no other Final Fantasy's ever got close to, just in terms of sheer simultaneousness. I think, um, I don't think, yeah. I think it still could be refined though, the battle system. I think there are some changes it could make. I mm. think it could- Slightly, I think if it was slightly slower or more responsive, one of those two things would help. Oh, mine's more just all they need to do for me is remove the fact that you can be uh, queuing an item up or a heal spell or anything, and you can get knocked out of it just yeah. from off screen. Yeah. Now, I would change that. I would make it so that the can't the camera responds better when you're in the air, when you're indoors and in, in the air. Um, and other than that, I, I think it's almost perfect. It's just that those that stun lock mm-hmm. stuff, um, when the game just wants to kill you, it'll just stun lock you and you can't do anything because you can't parry out of a combo. Um, and you're just dead. And if you, tr- you try to heal after that, you get hit again. It's things just like one, that. One thing, it's just the Final Fantasy fans as well, this will be relevant. Uh, Final Fantasy VII was interesting, and it was mm. quite like VI in that all the characters were effectively identical. Other than base stats, you could equip any right. material on any character. It generally could have items that would allow for range. Uh, some would be slightly better at magic because of base stats, like I said, but no one had like a defined role, whereas mm. that was always the case in the first five Final Fantasies. Mm. I think the Went back to that here, where each character, each of the four, has a very yeah. defined role. Cloud mm-hmm. is like a is like a, a balanced tank. Teeth is obviously a, a DPS machine. Barrett's a mm-hmm. range guy, and air of surface support and magic. Oh man, so it's like once you, you have. Your, um, oh sorry, I was just, once you have everything that Aerith can do, it's insane. Yeah, it's like you, both those are traditional Final Fantasy classes of uh, like fighter, monk, uh, mage, white mage, and. I don't know what Barrett would be, I suppose, a Dragoon of some sort, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a long distance ninja. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's that's, that's good. And I think maybe, again, if you're coming into it with memories of the old one, you expect all the characters to be very similar and you can just mm-hmm. swap material willy-nilly and it'll be the same. Obviously, that's not the case and it takes a while to get used to each the strengths and weaknesses. 
Mm-hmm. Well, like, over time, like, I mean, we'll wrap this part because we'll, we'll clearly do more follow-ups, but I think over time, um, I, I thought of it sometimes as this, like, Disney-style remake, like, when you look at Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, The Jungle Book, like, this sort of approach of this big blockbuster approach to something that used to feel so sincere and more genuine and more, like, you know, this, this need behind its creation in the first place, whereas in the new age, it's like, well, you know, there's going to be more monetary reasons as to why we're revisiting it and things like that, but um, having now seen all of it, and again, you guys need to see where it all goes, um, I do think it's it's, it it finds a good way to hang between the two and the more that i've played it the, the hard mode stuff the rewards that's the stuff that made me go okay the old school ff7 is in here it's just that all this other blockbuster bluster is still in here is is front loaded that's the stuff you see first which you very much get at the beginning which is the stuff that felt overwhelming yeah for me isn't sorry Bernie. Going, Josh, sorry I was, I was gonna say for me as a new player it does feel like there's still a lot of heart to it like mm. even if it might be a, you know a recreation or done for you know monetary reasons i suppose you know what isn't i feel mm. like even the indulgences this they're done so lovingly every single time it cuts to Aerith and she's looking directly at the camera every frame is sort of like lovingly oh, put yeah. together and it's making you you know want to fall in love with the game and i do like appreciate that i do feel like it has it has heart where it needs to have it and going back to what you said a little while ago Benji about do you think that if this was a new game would the response still be the same I'm sure it would be you know a bit more muted but I think the the core drive of it and the the core characters and you know the core the atmosphere I suppose as well makes it makes those faults it doesn't excuse the faults because I still think the level level design is needlessly elongated and mm-hmm. you know padded but it, it elevates everything, you know, when it gets it right, the the passion behind it, the heart and the through line story and characters, I do think, you know, makes it something quite special, at least from my mm. perspective. Well, in terms of the, um, they, they, they literally do have for the first time, like Nobu Yamatsu coming back to rescore the game, the original composer. They have a lot of the creative team coming back, like the combat designer mm-hmm. and that so it's like it, it is by default gonna have the people are gonna have to care to make it work it's not just been sort of churned out like something like my um, my example for something being churned out would be resident evil 3 but like that idea of you know they they do have the original team and like i said they, it, there has to be some passion in there and it does the come only, through the only absentee is hironobu sakaguchi which I and mean, i think he would probably have tempered some of tetsuya namura's more outlandish notions let's say probably- oh my god yeah <laughs> There's a like a, yeah I uh, yeah let's I'm gonna stay away from all the spoiler stuff. Um, but... but... To his credit, there are far fewer zips in this game than in <laughs> Hey, you've not seen a certain, you've not seen someone who is zip city uh, <laughs> later on. But uh, but yeah, we'll wrap the pod for now. We'll probably end up uh, returning to this because I'm really curious what you guys think of the ending. Um, and I'm potentially doing an, an ending explain type video as well uh, going forward. But for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Thank you very much. And Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.